The Healthcare Quality Cast is powered by the Quality Coaching Company. If you'd like to work with us to earn your Lean Six Sigma for healthcare certification or partner with our innovative corporate training and coaching programs to successfully scale your continuous improvement initiatives, then click the link below to learn more and apply. Hey, quality people, welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and in this podcast, we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring industry leaders. We dive deep into the career journeys of these leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for their patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. Now, let's meet today's quality guests. All right, thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today, I'm here with my guest, Stacy Melvin. Stacy, are you ready to share with some quality people? I sure am. Well, Stacy, we love to start every show with getting our positive affirmations to, to really get our momentum going. So I would love if you could share a favorite quote or leadership mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on it? Sure. So there's a quote that I love um, by an Austrian psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor. His name's Viktor Frankl. And the quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is the power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. And I love that quote for leaders because I think a lot of times we think that leaders' job is to act, um, but really leaders' job is to think and listen and respond. And so that concept of there's the stimulus and there's the space, um, I mean, it really speaks to me because I think a lot of my growth as a leader has been about really slowing down and leaning into that space. So I, I love that quote and that mindset, Stacy. And um, for anybody who's not read about Viktor Frankl, I mean, that guy's story is freaking tremendous. So um, if anybody can define that and, and really share that mindset, I would say it's him. He qualifies 1000%. So um, thank you. The great way to get us started and to, the call out for what leadership is, right? We're not the ones that have to jump in the where to sit back and see the bigger picture and figure out the right you know strategies moving forward so love it love it love it um stacy let's let's talk about you for a second and you know i'll share with our audience i had the opportunity um to cyber stalk you through linkedin first um but to you know successfully connect with you then we had a, a short call last week um which only solidified for me personally stacy that you know you'd be a great guest to introduce to our audience um, on top of the fact that you have the world's best headshot picture. Um, with the, so I just want to, <laughs> you know, just bring that out again for our folks when they get a chance to connect with you also. But um, Stacey, I would love if you could briefly, you know, share with us who you are, your current role, 
your professional background, Stacey, but most importantly, like what even led you into the career path and the role that you're Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm currently the vice president of the project management office at um, Ochsner Health, which is a large multi-specialty academic medical um, health system all throughout Louisiana, spreading into the Gulf South. Um, and I've, I've been in, in leadership at Ochsner for the last 17 years. Um, my current role is over the process improvement and strategic program management functions. So I have about 40, um, you know, project uh, leaders who work for me and my organization, um, making healthcare better and more affordable at one of the uh, um, awesomest health systems in the whole wide world. All right. And let's let's go through your career path, though. What's kind of led you through this? And you shared a little bit when we talked last week, but um, how did you start? And then ultimately, how did you end up doing project management and process improvement, which is like the best of both worlds for me personally? That's, that's right. Uh, it was a very circuitous route. So I've spent about half of my career in operations and the other half in different corporate roles. Um, I've worked in philanthropy and HR, I've run clinics, um, I was over the cancer service line at one time, um, but the common thread throughout all of it is, um, is really building teams and doing cool project work. I love it when there is new, um, you know, novel hard things that we need to, to go out there and accomplish. Um, so throughout my career, I've done, uh, you know, a lot of different things in a lot of different uh, spaces within healthcare, but um, project work and driving change has been the, the constant thing for me. Perfect. And kind of uh, to go off script, uh, I'm being good and giving you the heads up here, Stacy. but would love if you can share with our listeners, you know, the day in the life of a VP at, you know, doing the work that you're leading. Um, and I always like to highlight that when I get, the, you know, the fortune of having um, senior executives on like yourself, because so many of our listeners are kind of in that early to mid career path. And, you know, my, my hope is that when they have a chance to listen to leaders like yourself is that that will encourage them, you know, as they go forward in their careers to to figure out how to get to your level as well. So we'd love if you could just share with us, you know, what does the day in the life look like or what can they expect if and when they finally get to to your level? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I um, I'm pretty prescriptive about what the day in the life of Stacy looks like. Um, I wake up early. I wake up at 530 before about an hour and 15 minutes before the rest of my family, because it's it's often the only time I have to myself. And I split that hour and 15 minutes into reflective writing, um, where it's usually something along the lines of what would make today special or what am I grateful for or, you know, what am I losing sleep about? I do reflective writing um, and then I read and I read broadly. Um, the, you know, transition into the day, I am fortunate enough to have a lot of control over my calendar at this point. Um, so I'm deliberate about trying to do my, um, thought work earliest in the morning. Um, and then I do my high stakes meetings mid morning. So for example, you know, once a week, every week, I have my leadership team meeting, the leaders that report to me. Um, and it's at that 10 a.m. sweet spot where I am, you know, still having good ideas and, and connected and thoughtful, uh, not so far into the day that I've, you know, lost, lost track of, uh, you know, that spark or that energy. Um, and then I save the afternoon for the more tactical, logistical type of, of work. 
So that's, you know, from a micro look at how do I try to organize my, my day and my leadership. Uh, in terms of what does a vice president of project management do all day, all week? Um, the answer is, um, I mean, a couple of things. One is it is always about the right resources on the right things at the right time. So my real role is to track very closely with senior leadership so that I understand the strategic priorities and I understand you know, where the company is going and where they need to go. And then I'm bridging that, that need and putting the right resources in the right places at the right time. So it's a lot of scoping requests and seeing, you know, do they make sense? Do they make sense for my team? Are they aligned with our vision and our strategy? Um, it's a lot of escalation. So, okay, I know it's a priority. I've got people on it, but it's not going well. You know, how do I get in there and help try to understand what the root causes of the, uh, you know, uh, of, of why we're stuck and how do I, you know, get the right people involved in getting unstuck? Um, and then it's a lot of celebrating successes along the way. So what's going well? How do I give the team exposure? You know, how do I make sure that people understand, um, you know, where we're having our wins so that we can all celebrate together? Because the more momentum a project management office has, um, the more people want to hang out with them, the more they, you know, they get requested, the more they can help the organization. And then that reputation is, uh, you know, kind of feeds on itself. Perfect. I love um the entire overview that you just shared there. And I, I also appreciate that you connected um, so many of your points there, Stacey, with the connection to strategy, but then also the connection to resources and fulfilling, you know, the goals which you, that you all are working on. Um, I, I've told everybody, I mean, the way that I've kind of built my brand, my personal brand, um, as I came up through my corporate life was that, you know, we're in the business of results. And at the end of the day, it's doing everything you just said. Maybe we're targeting the right strategies and goals, and then we can come through and provide the right sources. Um, you're, you're the, you know, composer of the symphony, so to speak. So, um, you know, for our, our listeners, um, hope you take all of that in. Um, it sounds like it's very busy. It requires you to keep your fingers on the pulse of a lot of different things. But um, sounds like if you all could see, again, the smile that Stacy has, she she loves it. I can tell the excitement, the passion is coming through. So um, perfect, Stacy. Thank you for all of that. And let me let me bring our show down just a little bit. Um, we're going to move into the next question, Stacy, that I called the dark place question. So would love if you could share with our audience, um, uh, you know, take us back to that point in your healthcare leadership career that you would consider your best moment of failure. So I love if you can share with us, you know, that that moment, um, tell us a story, but most importantly, tell us the major lessons learned that you took from that. Sure. Um, so I think my my greatest, greatest moment of failure, and I love the, the juxtaposition of great and failure, uh, the is when I, I chose the wrong job for myself. Um, probably five or six years ago, um, I was approached about a role leading our, our cancer um, services. So the service line leader of, of cancer. And, you know, I did a lot of homework and a lot of soul searching and talked to probably 20 people about this job. And um, 
you know, at the end of the day, I, I took it because it was a chance to be extremely strategic, which I love. There were tons of projects and, and team building that needed to be done, you know, which I love. Um, and I mean, it was just a huge challenge that that I felt, you know, it, it was it was a good time in my career to, to take on. Um, and it turned out to just be a, a terrible fit for me. An awesome job, but not for me. <laughs> and the, you know, that experience of, um, you know, realizing that dawning on me that, wow, this is not just the discomfort of being in the learning curve. This is truly a, a, a wrong path um, was, was terrifying, you know, and, 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 you know, disheartening and, and, uh, you know, everything. Um, you know, luckily for me, I work in an organization that is all about putting the right people in the right places. So I was able to work collaboratively, collaboratively with my leadership team to say, gosh, I think this was a wrong term. Help me, help me figure it out. Um, and we were able to, you know, one, um, uh, figure out over the long haul, the right person for that role. So I was able to spend six months in that role, you know, with more of a feeling of being a consultant, making this, you know, service line better for the person coming behind me, um, you know, as opposed to just, you know, sitting there feeling like I was stuck and I couldn't, I couldn't turn back. Um, so anyway, my, my point in that, in that learning is, you know, sometimes you got to jump in there with both feet to know it's not right for you. Um, and I don't, I don't regret the, the leap into that role. I learned a lot about the work content that fires me up, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, places I like to, to experiment and, and be in, you know, I, I can do really hard things for a really long time and come out of the other side of it. Um, and I learned a lot about how to manage my own, you know, relationship to stress and, uh, you know, come, come, come through the other side of that as well. So it was a wonderful, horrible experience. <laughs> a wonderful, you know, it, it sounds like um, one of the things, so from, from my background, Stacey came up as a uh, football player and uh, we say it hurts so good. So it's <laughs> It sounds like that may have been a situation where it hurts so good, but um, a few things that I got from your story there is that um, first you took the risk. Um, you know, you, you did your research about the opportunity, but you um, accepted it. You took the risk to learn something new, but then you also gained that um, that self-exploration. You know, you learned a lot about yourself in the process of going through. And so I think those are, are two takeaways that stand out for me personally. Um, I know when I was in the position, you know, before leaving my corporate life to to do what I'm doing now. But uh, when I was in a position to hire people, I would always look for people that um, could do the job one, and would love to do the job too. So tried to balance the right approach between talent and skills and interests and culture. Um, would you have any any takeaways based on that experience, Stacey, or anything else that you're doing? Because again, you're you're in a position where you're building team. What are some takeaways that our listeners can gain in terms of um, testing the waters with new opportunities or, or at least hoping they're finding the right opportunities that fit their talents and their interests so they can hopefully, you know, not have it hurt so good when they make their decision. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that especially in situations where, you know, people think that this is a good move for you and people are being good shepherds of your career. They want good things for you. Um, and, you know, you're looking for adventure. You tend to look at things um, with those rose colored glasses on. So people tend to tell you the pieces and parts of the job that resonate with what they know about you. And you are looking for those things to affirm because you're excited about the opportunity. So, you know, I think while I probably did a little bit of the, you know, tell me the hard parts of the job, what I really should have said was give me your calendar from the last two weeks, you know, for the person whose, whose role I was taking, give me your calendar for the last two weeks and study that calendar and say, imagine you had lived these last two weeks. How many of those appointments would have set your heart on fire and how many of them would have felt, you know, energy draining to you? It's really not what could the role be. It's what is the role and how long can you live in a role that's not a perfect fit to make it what you would need it to be? And is that even realistic? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love that mindset. And I, I wish that was something, um, some advice I've had with previous roles that I've had. Let me see your calendar for the last couple of weeks. And can I can I fit it? Can I live up to the expectations that came with your current calendar? That's that's exceptional insight. I appreciate that. Um, next question I have for you, Stacey. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Um, would love to kind of dig us up out of there for a little bit, but um, want to go and ask you to give our quality people a tip, tool, or tactic that you found works really well for building up those intimate connections on project teams that you've led. Um, share with us what it is and how do you apply it? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that I tell my team is that um, our job is not just to advance the, the steps of the project, it's morale management. We are the chief morale managers of, of these projects. And I think managing morale starts in the tiniest of places. So, you know, when you're jumping on Zoom to start a meeting, are you starting the meeting saying, hey guys, what y'all do this weekend? You know, or are you just jumping right in and saying, okay, what's the first agenda? Uh, I think, you know, especially with remote teams, we're losing the that natural um, camaraderie that, that happens as people are joining a meeting. Um, and so as morale managers, we need to, we need to take the time to create it. And that might be doing more, you know, energizers in a meeting or, or just spending more time in the, in the, um, you know, the, the, the getting to know, you know, pressure space of a, of a, of a project or a meeting. Um, but I think remembering that that creating teams means getting to know people on a, you know, more of a heart to heart and not just, uh, you know, a, a business kind of level. Um, and so it's the, you know, it's our role to create that kind of a dynamic, even in the little, little places. All right. So I've never heard it expressed that way. Uh, we are the morale manager. Would you have any insights. I know the virtual environment that we're in nowadays is very unique, but um, just big picture maybe, what are some what are some specific tactics that um, your groups either can do or have done to continuously boost morale? Because I, I guess as you share that, what I tend to go through is almost like the, you know, the Tuckman model of, of team development, right? You know, the storming, forming, norming, performing, adjourning, and at any point, you know, the teams are so can easily slip back into those storming phases where that's where a lot of the morale is going to be, you know, eaten up at. 
Um, do you all have any strategies or yourself or your team in general, but anything you're doing, especially around those team development cycles to say, you know what, you know, we're in that storming phase, let's get them out, let's bring in whatever, the pizza party, let's just yeah. have a meet or we're, we're breaking the ice as a team again and not really focus on tasks. Are, are you doing any of those special things? Yeah, I mean, I think the key for managing through those the the cycles of a of a team being built, especially you know in project work, where sometimes you have to do it very quickly because these are not teams that are going to be together for three years and years at a time. I think it's um, being really um, engaged in how people are feeling, no matter whether those are good feelings or bad feelings. So you know, I think it's easy to think when you think morale manager, you think okay, cheerleader. You know, this has got to be the peppy person who comes in and, and you know, kind of juices everybody up all the time. Um, but I actually think morale management is a lot deeper than that. I think it is um, being able to get in there and understand um, where is their potential for conflict? You know, where is their resistance? Where are people overwhelmed and drowning. So you're not just looking for the, how can I create, you know, the upbeat? It, you're also saying, you know, where is there real human emotion that if I don't attend to it, it's going to disrupt the dynamic of the team and, and potentially the success of the project. Um, so, you know, with my, with, with my teams, with my project managers, um, I, I really encourage them to swing between the group and the one-on-one -on -one a lot. Because I think we get a lot more surfacing of real emotions and resistance when we meet with people one-on-one. -on -one. And as the morale managers, we can then serve that up to the team. So for example, you know, perhaps I have a team member who's in the IS function who is drowning and overwhelmed and really concerned about, you know, the 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 project going well. Um, if I surface that resistance one-on-one -on -one and I talk it through and I better understand it, then when we get to that next team meeting, I can put that on the table and say, hey, I know some team members are feeling overwhelmed because of, you know, how much we have going on and all the competing priorities. Let's talk about that. And then we have like a real rich and meaningful conversation. So I think when we, we you know, kind of go between the one-on-one -on -one and the group and we and we feed the, the real stuff to the group, we have more dynamic, real conversations that builds relationships and teams. No, I, I can resonate with that um, personally. Stacy, with one of the groups that I'm coaching through some Lean Six Sigma training now, uh, we learned that one of the leaders on the team recently lost somebody due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And instead of kind of starting with, you know, one of those upbeat types of, you know, kickoffs that I usually try to go for, it was, hey, guys, you know, let's take a moment of silence um, to respect, you know, her and her team members. So, um, so to your point, you know, sometimes we just got to keep it real. And, and, you know, kind of respect where the team's at at that moment. So I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. That That's really, really personal. And, you know, to the point of that question, we're talking about building those intimate connections, not just the feel goods. So, yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah think I, I mean, I think that a lot of project managers don't see themselves as leaders of teams. But I think if if a project manager assumes that responsibility, um, they they get to do all the cool things that leaders get to do. Um, they just get to do a lot more of it because they have these teams coming and going and coming and going throughout their career. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah. Stacey, let me move you to the next question. Here, I would love if you could share with us one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare leader. But uh, again, similar kind of share with us, you know, the story, the background. But um, here, we'd love to have you share if you were able to turn it into a personal or a professional success. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I think one of my aha moments came um, when we were building our, our um, quality lean program for the organization. Um, you know, I had done a lot and read a lot about change management, but I think one of the things I learned a little bit later is that if you wait for total permission and consensus to, to launch an effort, um, you're, you're going to be waiting a really long time. <laughs> and I remember when I was, um, you know, advocating for uh, building out our lean infrastructure and adding resources, uh, you know, I did this big pitch to our leadership team and um, most of the leaders around the table were really supportive. Like, yes, that sounds like exactly what we need in our organization. Um, but there was one very powerful executive team member who was not convinced. He said, you know, uh, I don't think leans for organizations that are growing. You know, I'm not sure that's the right methodology for us. And um, I remember having to make a conscious decision to say, you know what, I don't have 100% support, but I have enough to get going. And if I can get going with the sport I have and the resources I have and, you know, get some wins, then I can bring those wins back to the table and get more resources and get more support. Um, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, we started small. We had some really successful projects. I made a really big deal of those, you know, handful of successful projects. Um, and then, you know, we were able to build on that momentum. And, uh, you know, that executive leader wound up being a real um, advocate of ours and, and a mentor of mine. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I look back on what he said, you know, lean might not be appropriate for growing organizations. And the answer is, sort that's sort of true. You know, when organizations are doing lean wrong, it's a lot about minimizing, reducing, taking away. But organizations that do it really, really right, it's all about adding and growing and how can we scale and, and create more value. So in, in, you know, taking the good of what he said and, and learning from it, but not allowing the, the resistance to stop me, um, I think was a, it was a, a critical point for us as we were growing that, that program. And I'll, I'll kind of sum up what I heard you share in that story with, uh, hopefully kind of funny, but this is just, again, kind of where my mind goes with your story there, Stacy is you said, I can show you better than I can tell you. Yeah. And so you know, picking, you know, picking the, the arguments, the discussion, the justification, and just taking what you had, going and creating the value and bringing it back, showing them versus, you know, the, the trudge. I, I know a lot of times myself and I've seen other colleagues, we want to justify, justify, justify. And you just said, let's get it done with what we got. Take my, my mother used to tell us growing up, take what you got. So, um, so no, I, I love that. I aha love that. Those, are, those are great. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Um, perfect. Uh, next question I have for you, Stacy, And this is, you know, one of those questions I always love to pick, um, you know, the minds of leaders like yourself on, but what are some changes that are currently going on across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about? And what role do you see, you know, quality professionals and project managers playing to promote or support its longevity? Yeah, you know, I am 
I was very excited when the the IHI, you know, triple aim came out. Um, that idea of, uh, you know, the the making care affordable and making it better, like all of the the value conversation, um, really really resonated with me. And then when you know IHI built on that to to kind of put the human you know in the center and say okay we also have to make it easier to work in healthcare and we need to support you know our our you know clinicians and our employees from you know compassion fatigue and burnout and you know really started getting into the human uh, you know component of of the system. Um, that is really exciting to me. And um, I like the idea of, of quality process improvement folks really jumping on that. How do we make lives easier bandwagon? Like not how do we do things just better and faster and more affordable, which is all good and important, but also how do we make it easier to do this really hard work that we do in healthcare? I think there's a lot of... Um, you know, opportunity for people who, you know, uh, you know, do engineering and design and, you know, all of the, that kind of improvement work to get in there and, and take a look at our processes and our structures and our systems and say, which of these are burning our people out? And how can we fix our processes and our systems so that the demands and constraints are not, you know, what what is drowning people? I think there's a ton of opportunity there. All right. And then where does... Uh, sorry, going off script. Uh, I promise to try to give you a heads up. Um, but no, where where does some of those opportunities start? And I, I'm asking you this as a VP for project management for process improvement, but um, almost even kind of back to you know your earlier comments around you know we can show you better than we can tell you. But um, is it something that starts you know at the departmental level within our healthcare facilities? Is it something that starts in the boardroom at the strategic visioning level? Um, and again, I, I asked that question, Stacy, because. I, I've been, you know, kind of in the corporate seat for over 13 years doing this kind of work. And now I'm in this kind of entrepreneurial seat doing this work. And so I get to see it on a bigger scale with, with the handful of teams that I work with at any given time. And it, I, I feel like it's all over the place. So just want to get your insights. You know, if you had the perfect vision to say, we're going to start to lead that change, you know, quality people, project managers, analysts, whomever, um, where, where should they be looking for that vision setting? Do they just go out to their clients and customers in the facilities? Do they they wait for leaders to kind of point in the, the true north direction? Just just curious to throw that to you. I know it's a big question, but just want that in. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that question. I, you know, I think that healthcare has so much potential because it's so complex, right? So yeah. because it's built in these super complicated, you know, matrices, there tends to be a lot of silos um, and the need to communicate across teams and across silos is, you know, one of the key ingredients to be able to make systems and processes easier for people. So they're not, you know, dragging people down and, and burning people out. Um, so I think the, I mean, the vision has to come from the top. Like, I think that, you know, 
leaders have to be able to say, oh my goodness, this thing is so complex and complicated. You know, there's got to be a better way. And I am going to always be in pursuit of how do I make things easier and more efficient um, for my employees so that we can deliver care in a way that is less difficult. Um, so yes, I think it needs to come from the top, but I think it also needs to come from the bottom and the middle and everywhere else, you know, in that people need to, to say, I, I see a need for us to, to do things in a different way or a better way. And I can see how I could collaborate with my peers across silos or even interdepartmentally um, to, to, to look for a, a better way. Um, I think that, you know, I am a huge fan of talking about, you know, our own ability to weather storms and resilience, but I think when we only look at the capacity, our capacity to handle hard things piece of the equation, we're missing the other side, which is that there are just too many demands on us in healthcare. And if we don't spend some time saying, how do we reduce the demand on any given, you know, healthcare worker, then we're missing part of the equation to, to mitigate burnout and to continue to do amazing things to make care better and, and more affordable. All right. No, very, very fair reply, I think, um, to, again, such a big question. And you said it perfectly. I mean, there are so many, so many, so many moving parts that could hit our organizations at any given time. Um, you know, absolutely no, I don't know if there's a right or wrong, but I appreciate that insight because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it as I, again, I, I have conversations with leaders like yourself and other great leaders through this podcast, the teams that I get to work with. And I, I find myself, you know, just at the end of the night, when I go through my reflection time, um, just sitting back, like, what did I learn today? What are some of the common themes that I hear or I see across a number of different areas? And, and those are some of them. Um, I love the call out too that you shared really quality process improvement is everybody's responsibility, you know, top level, middle level, entry level, you know, we're all in the same game. So I think getting everybody to see that is very important for all the work we're trying to do. So awesome. Thank you for tackling. I promise not to make them that big anymore, but yeah, I was just, you know, you're, you're the perfect person for it. Um, next question. <laughs> uh, next question I have for you, Stacy. How can the healthcare industry itself become a more attractive place um, to attract talented, ambitious, again, quality professionals and project management professionals um, to come in and start and or grow their careers? Yeah, you know, I think we need to, to lighten up and loosen up a little bit. Um, healthcare tends to be a little bit more... Um, a little bit more old fashioned, a little bit more bureaucratic maybe than other industries. Um, so I think to hire, you know, smart, uh, you know, engineering uh, type of, of humans, um, you're competing with any industry, right? And so I think the, the degree to which healthcare can look at itself and say, okay, how can we be more nimble? How can we, you know, have more levity? Like, Absolutely, healthcare is about life and death. It is very serious business and it, it needs to be regulated to the degree that it's regulated. Um, but I think, you know, we have an opportunity to loosen up a little bit. You know, I think about even dress code in hospitals. Like you've got frontline employees essentially wearing pajamas. Like they are wearing scrubs, they are wearing pajamas to work. And you look at the the leaders in healthcare, they tend to have, you know, button downs and ties, and it creates this um, unnecessary 
you know, chasm between leaders and, and, you know, frontline employees. And I think we can look to some of the more innovative and casual industries and say, how could we have a little bit more, uh, how do we get a little bit less stuffy in healthcare? So I, I appreciate that. It's um, what I hear a lot. And, you know, maybe this is your, your, your change management expertise coming through. You see, um, it's culture. Um, how do we start to have the culture appreciate today's vibes? I mean, it's 2021, right? So, right, right. <laughs> All right, awesome, perfect. I love it, love it, love it. Um, Stacy, I'm gonna move us into a part of the show that I call the two minute drill, kind of my version of a rapid fire Q and A. But uh, before we transition into it, I always love to ask and make sure my guests are ready. So, how are you feeling? Feeling good. All right, perfect. Well, and, and I want to highlight too, before I even throw this first question out, um, we are talking in the week of what should have been Mardi Gras, um, and yesterday was Fat Tuesday. Um, so I literally, I don't know if you saw my email to you, Stacey, but I went to the store and picked up a king cake. Uh, did you at least get some king cake since there's no no Mardi Gras this week? We did not get king cake yesterday, but my husband did make an amazing pot of seafood gumbo, and we played Kermit Ruffins real loud and had a nice little... Uh, a, a little New Orleans kind of vibe going in the kitchen, at least, even if we didn't have Mardi Gras this year. All right, at, at a minimum. So fair <laughs> enough. And I don't know, I don't think I share, but my wife is from Trinidad, where they also celebrate Carnival. That's, you know, Trinidad's uh, culture for this time of year. And she's been feeling, um, she's been feeling it. You know, she's walking around, around her house playing, um, you know, soca music and everything else. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one more thing to grieve this year, but at least we are, uh, you know, trying to 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 get a, a little bit of of uh, of Mardi Gras vibe. No, fair enough. But uh, I guess let me let me get back on on script. Uh, you know, our audience is gonna be like, "What the heck are they talking about?" <laughs> um, first, uh, first big question for you here, Stacy. Um, it's something of a two-parter. So I would love if you could first tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best. And also share with us, how do you inspire others within your organization? So I, uh, in the last three years, I've been fortunate enough to serve as an Oxnard leadership coach. Um, in, in that role as a leadership coach, I have gotten a ton of, of real formal cha- training in how to be a good listener. Um, which I think has just had such amazing benefits for me as a leader, for me as, you know, someone helping people with their strategy, for me as a wife and a mother. Um, So I think that ability to hone your listening, not just with the intent to understand, but the intent to really be heart to heart with someone is the the most important leadership lesson I can think of. Oh, perfect. And let me ask, how do you inspire others within your organization? Any additional call us there? Yeah, I mean, I think I inspire others within the organization by being very authentic. Um, I think that the higher in the organization you go, um, what you do sends a signal about what is allowed and accepted. Um, and I think that I'm one of those people that's pretty comfortable in my own skin. Um, and I tend to be pretty, pretty authentic. Um, and I'd like to think that inspires other people that they can, can, you know, be their, be their true selves, um, and, and bring their whole self to work. 
All right, perfect. And next question, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Oh, one of my uh, process engineers, she used to always say, um, don't shoot better for best, um, which is such good advice for me. I tend to be, you know, perfectionistic and uh, I can be very intense. And so I think of that, uh, you know, that advice all the time, like don't shoot better for, for best, shoot for a B, your B is probably someone else's A. Uh, you know, don't over-engineer things. It, it helps me keep things light and keep things moving. All right, perfect. And let me go off script with this question, Stacy. but um, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever given? Cool. Best piece of career advice I have ever given in my life? You know, I think it's probably, um, you know, something along the lines of don't, don't stop looking for that spark. You know, I'm a big believer in, there's this book um, called Designing Your Life, which is a fabulous read for anybody with a, with a quality improvement background. It's these professors out of Stanford, um, and they talk about using engineering principles to design your life. Uh, and they have this, this, uh, this quote that says um, something along the lines of, um, you don't discover your purpose, you reveal it. Think shovel, not map. And so that constant, you know, search for oh, what brings me joy, what gives me energy, you know, what, what, you know, gave me those, those chills and following those little, you know, breadcrumbs of spark. Um, that's the kind of advice I like to give people. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And um, not familiar with that book. Um, I just wrote it down. I'll probably be like downloading it as soon as we're done, but there's <laughs> Another book question coming up. So it's a good one. It's, I think it's Bill Evans and Dave Burnett, maybe um, it's something like that. It's a great book. All right. Perfect. Well, I was going to say, I hope uh, I hope that wasn't a big reveal because I'm still going to ask you another book question coming up in a few uh, a few questions here. Um, Stacy, if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? Ah, uh, so right now in this very moment, I wouldn't trade jobs with anybody for the long haul, but for a two-week sprint, I would like to trade places with um, with Deb Grimes. She is our chief diversity officer, and the work that she has been doing and her team and our leadership team over the last you know year plus um, has been really, really inspiring and transformational. Um, so I would love to get in there and, and be able to, to contribute to that. Um, but more importantly, I think the woman deserves a, a, a two-week vacation for all, <laughs> all of the weight she's been lifting. So I'd love to just be able to give her a break. Perfect. And again, I, I'm familiar with her um, by reputation with a few other circles that I'm in. And um, you know, just to give her a quick shout out on the podcast, um, you know, I, I've been impressed watching outside looking in at some of the things. So, um, so no, great call out. And um, I'm okay with a two week sprint into a different role that that is totally acceptable for that question. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, next question after you, Stacey, I would love if you could share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality improvement initiative. Personal habit that leads to my success. Um, I would say um, being fascinated with resistance. So I think that being afraid of resistance 
is um, the kryptonite for project managers. It causes us to be, you know, uh, cautious about how we engage. It causes us to over-engineer. It causes us to, you know, be timid, or it causes us to come out fierce and be, you know, defensive and, and emotional. I think that being genuinely, genuinely curious about why people are resistant to change and new ideas or even bits and pieces of process and structure, um, being genuinely interested in God, what is it about that that you don't like um, gives you that opening to learn um, without generating your own resistance, which often is what you need to be able to get over you know, the, the resistance to begin with. So I'll have to jump in on your, uh, your two minute drill here and just share with you, Stacy. So very early in my healthcare career, I had a mentor teach me because we, I was working on a project, getting a lot of resistance at that time and was getting frustrated. Um, this was like the first year or two within my healthcare career, 2008, 2009, more or less. And the, the, the mentor, my mentor at the time said to me, there's a reason for everything and it's your job to figure out why it exists. Wow. And, you know, really, really encouraged me to dig in, understand what were they pushing back on. Um, took a few of the leaders on that particular project out for coffee and, you know, just had had that moment to connect and learn more. And it changed my trajectory for how I approached that project. But now, you know, that was my lesson learned to to your statement there. Um, you know, whenever I get resistance now, I explore it. You know, I dive in, I ask more questions. And so um, I, I just want to kind of underscore what you just said. That was a personal experience for me. And again, for our listeners, I hope that's a huge takeaway through this conversation. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like it's it's, you know, when you hear somebody who is on the other side, instead of saying, how dare you say, how fascinating. <laughs> Could that person be coming from? <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 a unique thing. It it, it will require you to explore a lot more. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm nobody's I don't know therapist or anything, but when you really start to dig in, it's almost like an anthropology study to understand the culture or the mindset or the past project that that made the teams or the people think the way they. It's, yeah. it's actually really interesting. I. I enjoy it very so much how you shared. It's really interesting. Yeah. So next question I have for you, Stacey, um, what is your go-to website or mobile application for executing on the work that you lead? So my my answer is actually to to go analog and 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 put pen to paper. I find that if I move too fast into the technology space, um, I sometimes wind up doing a lot of over-processing that I don't, don't need to do. Um, so I really like to start pen and paper if I'm mapping out a process or I'm, you know, building out a project plan, you know, or I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to prioritize or focus my time. Um, I find, you know, old fashioned pen and paper gets me where I need to be. If I move too fast to the, to the, to the technology space, um, you know, sometimes I miss, miss the point. Well, and there's, there's a reason pen and paper have been around for thousands of years at this point, right? Wonderful. Um, next question. Would love if you could please share with our quality people a professional society and a professional conference that you think would be a value add. Sure, sure. Um, so I love IHI. I've, I've always loved IHI, um, you know, for the quality improvement space. 
For change management, I am a huge fan of um, AIM. It's um, it's a, the, the group name is IMA. It's Implementation Management Associates, and they have um, you know AIM methodology, which is change management methodology. Um, that we actually went on a huge hunt for for what change management methodology to bring to my health system in the last few years, um, and I I came upon the AIM methodology, um, and I absolutely love it. It is the perfect um, it's the perfect mix of of being very practical and very nimble. Uh, which is perfect for healthcare, which is so complicated. You need you need something that that helps you to diagnose where the the you know effort needs to be in terms of change management and how do you target it with the scarce resources that we have. Um, so I'm a big big fan of AIM. Um, and then lastly, there's a guy I really like. Uh, I met him. Um, I took a workshop with him when I was at a PMI um, conference a few years ago. His name is Jack Duggar, uh, and he talks about next generation project leadership. Um, and it's all about this concept of how do you make yourself more relevant and really track with organizational strategy uh, and priorities instead of just laser, you know, narrowly focusing on on your own execution. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of of him and his workshops. Perfect. No, I appreciate those um, those additional call outs. I'll, I'll do a little bit of research and include those links um, when we get the show published. <clears throat> Excuse me, get the show published for you, Stacy, um, because that's that's exactly why I love that question. Um, both of those groups, um, Jack Duggar and and your AIM program, are completely new to me. Um, I don't know if anyone in our audience would have experienced them, but I will get you know more information out. So I appreciate that's awesome. Cool. Um, all right, here we go with our next book question. But uh, would love, uh, Stacy, you've shared um, designing your life a few minutes ago, but would love to see if you have another book recommendation for our quality people to plug in with. Of course. Oh, yes. Um, another favorite I would recommend is uh, James Clear Atomic Habits. This book, I like to say it is practical magic. It is so common sense, but put together in a way that is really like meaningful. Uh, I actually love his weekly email. So even if you don't, if you're not a big book reader, just sign up for James Clear's weekly email. It is chock full of good wisdom around inspiration, motivation, you know, dedication, how to get things done. Uh, so huge fan of him, huge fan of that book. All right, perfect. And uh, I had someone recently recommend that book to me. I have it on my wish list in Audible, but have not plugged it in yet. But um, looking forward to it. I'm glad to hear that again, just that as another recommendation. So perfect. Um, last question, Stacey, and we are going to make the last one, you know, kind of the biggest and baddest question of all of them, but would love to try to get you to reflect on your past while also having you look forward into your future. So Let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a few seconds and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? So 10 years in the past, uh, my daughter would have been would have been a baby. And so I, I think what I would have texted my myself 10 years ago is, um, you know, good job, mama. You you made the right career choice for this time in your life. Um, right before uh, my daughter was born, I was 
you know, going down one, one career path, um, we were, we were actually working on a big organizational strategy and it was really good, good, fun work. Um, but I knew I wanted to start a family, um, and I was commuting and it was a huge job. Um, and so I made the decision to, you know, jog my career to the left a little bit and um, learn operations management for the first time because it was the kind of role I could do closer to home, you know, and not have that have that commute. And I actually took a pay cut to move over, you know, into that into that role, um, which was a really hard decision at the time. Um, but looking back, it was the perfect decision, you know, for me and my family. Um, and so that concept of, you know, keep looking until you find that right work for you that allows the, the work-life integration, you need to be the best, you know, parent or spouse or hobbyist or whatever your, your rest of your life is, you know, keep looking until you find that work that, that allows that integration, um, that, that's, I think what I would applaud my, my, uh, you know, my 10 year old 10 years ago, self on, um, gosh, 10 years from now, I'm going to be on the other side of that. So it'll be empty nest and my daughter will be, you know, out of, out of the home. Um, so, you know, I think, I think when I, when I think about what, you know, do I want my career to look like 10 years from now? You know, I think that the pursuit of wisdom, you know, how you, you know, weave in, you know, the, the things that you know, with the things that you are still trying to figure out and learn. Um, I, who knows what I'll be doing in 10 years, but I hope it will still be in pursuit of, of wisdom and self-awareness and, and, you know, contributions to others. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be something around, you know, keep looking for that, for those silver and gold threads of, of knowing and, and learning. All right. Well, I, I can absolutely say, you know, 10 years from now, Stacey, I get the feeling not only will you still be in that same mindset, but I can Honestly, I just get this vibe like you're going to have this army of leaders that you develop behind you on the process, also kind of sharing that that same mindset and, and hopefully impacting more than just Oscar. You know, I, I'd hate to think all of this talent and all of this wonderful culture driving within your teams is just going to be there. So I want all of that to spread across all healthcare organizations. But um, at least I get to have you on the, the podcast first here to start to at least spread it to the folks who plug in with this episode when we get it set up for it. So um, thank you again for all of what you just shared there, definitely with your past and the future. And um, Stacy, before I let you off the line today, would love if you could just give our quality people that, um, that, that parting piece of advice, share the best way that they can follow or connect with you on social media. Well, officially. Yeah. So my, my biggest piece of advice is to keep looking for that spark, that spark that's so personal to you. What brings you joy? What gives you energy? You know, what are you put on this earth to do? Don't stop searching for that. Um, and in terms of keeping in touch with me, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, I also have an Instagram account. Uh, account. Um, it's at Mindframe Minute. 
and I share, uh, you know, leadership quotes and, and wisdom that's inspired me. Uh, so please feel free to connect with me on Instagram as well. Perfect. Well, Stacy, again, thank you so much. Um, thank you for for the connection. Just you know, giving me the opportunity to to learn more about you, but um, all of your insights today that we're gonna get out to our our audience, the quality people in the next few weeks. Really, really appreciate it. Um, to our quality people everywhere, we thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Stacy. We're signing off, y'all. Quality people, thank you so much again for plugging in with today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media link posted in the notes below. I'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe, give us a rating, and also share feedback on what additional value we can bring to you through this podcast. That helps a lot with our show rankings and also with getting this great content out to healthcare leaders around the world. And if you want to engage with me directly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn where I share additional resources, access to our QI community, and much more. All right, quality people, thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week when I introduce you to another quality guest.